0: me want to meet me. Thank you for that introduction. That was awesome. And congratulations on making it for Daylight Savings. I remember when I was young, uh, young high school, college, even young adult, I enjoyed the fall time change because I could sleep in and very much disliked this time change. However, when I had a young kid, I actually swapped thoughts. I liked this time change because it reset my kid's clock so he would wake up an hour later. Um, So I changed my ways and now this is the time change that I like. Um, This morning we're continuing in our series of Ephesians. And I just want to tell you a story when my wife and I uh, often have taken... students, college students, on mission trips to China, and one thing sometimes that you do if it's a short-term mission, you want to orient the new, uh, you know, the folks who are visiting China, the Americans, to, you know, the new cities and the places they're at. So I wanted to do that, but I wanted the orientation to be kind of hardcore. I wanted them to really get into it. So I said, okay, we're going to all get to know some of the cities around where we're staying, So I'm going to send you in twos and threes, you're going to take a bus ride to a new city and you're going to, I want you to meet people there and have a meal and enjoy yourselves and that sort of thing and then come back and report what happened. So I sent them out and they had all kinds of crazy stories. Some people, they they found a church and some Christians there and the Christians fed them food and Other people, they had crazy taxi rides and took them to the wrong town and they thought they were in the right town and all all kinds of wild things happened. Uh, All kinds of interesting people they met and food they ate and things like that. So their variety of experiences were pretty wide, but they all had one of the same thing happen to them. And that was they all said that they had prayed more than they ever prayed in their life. Because they were so nervous to go to a new town that they hadn't been before with, you know, they went in twos and threes, but it just made them really nervous. And at the end of our mission trip, we were there, uh, and I've done this a couple times, but they were there usually for six weeks or so. Uh, All of their highlights was that one part of the trip. that was just one day because they felt like they prayed and worshiped God like they never had before. And it reframed their whole experience in a completely new way. Uh, And that's what I believe Paul is going to talk to us about today at the end of chapter three of Ephesians and what we're going to get into today. Uh, So in a moment, if you have your Bible or electronic device, we're going to be at the end of Ephesians chapter three. Uh, We'll read that in a minute. I just want to set up the context a little bit for us. It's pretty interesting. Uh, If you've been here for the messages, really, it's been three chapters of theology. Just straight theology. And Paul is about to transition after this chapter to get to the practical. So, those of you who are like, just tell me what to do, you're going to have three chapters of that. You're really going to enjoy it. But this uh, section right here is kind of the end of the theology section, it's the capstone. And Paul's going to try to summarize it all together. Now, right before this, right before what we're about to read, Paul um, was talking about how the Jews and the Gentiles, the dividing wall has been split. And there's this great mystery surprise in Christ. And that great mystery is we're all together. We're all citizens and partakers together in God's um, compassion and salvation and redemption. Um, which to us, if you've been in the church for a while, doesn't feel like that great of a surprise, but was surprising to them. So like, wow, this is the great mystery. We can all share in the inheritance from God. So he had just finished saying that. um, And part of the reason he had to say that is there were some divisions among them between the Jews and the non-Jews. And also, he had just finished saying right before this part, talking about, trying to encourage them because they were nervous because Paul had been in prison and he had been beaten and all these things were happening. So there was a lot of disconcerting things that were happening to the Ephesians. Uh, So Paul starts this section and really hits the theology hard. So I want to read through this section for us. Uh, If you could, please uh, stand while I read. So please stand while I read God's Word. We're going to start at chapter 3, verse 14, if you want to read along. Uh, And it says this, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit, in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever, Amen. You may be seated. It's a pretty powerful section. Uh, and sometimes when I speak, I like to be sort of uh, uh, a little bit indirect and inductive and, oh, we're, I'm going to surprise you with the main point at the end. Today, I'll just tell you, okay, right up front. Worship reframes our lives. I think that's the solution that we need. Um, and that Paul's really one of the main things that Paul's getting out of this passage. Or, or teaching us is that worship's going to reframe our lives. I also kind of want to forewarn you, this is our disclaimer, uh, at the end of the message today, I'm going to make you pray. Uh, I know that excites some of you, and some of you are thinking, I didn't come to church to pray today. Uh, but I want to let you know, we're going to pray at the end and worship kind of together through prayer, following Paul's example in this passage. So you have about 20, 30 minutes to kind of get used to that idea. But I wanted to forewarn you and let you know. Let's take a look at the passage together. So it says this. We'll we'll just kind of go verse by verse and see what Paul has for us. It says, for this reason. Paul um, sections out Ephesians uh, such that it says, for this reason, kind of every couple uh, chapters. So this is another one of those, for this reason's. I bow my knees before the Father. Uh, This is kind of interesting, that bow down or bowing, especially when you read the Old Testament, bowing down and worship are kind of the same thing. So when somebody bows down or gets on their knees, that's kind of another way to talk about worship. It's a physical representation of our worship. I don't know if some of you, uh, I've even heard it uh, sometimes here, there's a worship song called come uh, let us worship and bow down in that's actually from the old testament uh, a f- verse from the old testament and it's really come let us bow down and bow down before god or come let us worship and worship before god because worship is that act of bowing down and it's kind of interesting that paul used this because the jewish folks they bow down sometimes but often their prayer was standing so it'd stand up to pray. So Paul's kind of doing something not that they've never heard of, but sort of unusual. That I'm gonna bow down. I want to show you before God, full submission before the throne of Christ. I'm gonna this this is really a submissive sort of prayer. So I bow my knees before the Father. Um, I think this is uh, not the first time that Paul has prayed. If you want to follow along, I'm, I'm flipping to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, so you can flip back a page or if you're on electronic media, a couple of electrons back. Uh, in verse really 15 and 16 of chapter 1, it says this. This is another, for this reason. It goes on to say, Paul says in verse 16, I did not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. For the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know that what is the hope of His calling, what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. Verse 19, And what is the surpassing greatness of His power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the workings of the strength of his might, verse 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the age to come. We're going to see the prayer that he started off Ephesians with is really similar Similar verbiage to the prayer that we're reading right now in chapter 3. So, he's kind of, we're going to see sort of a prayer sandwich in Ephesians. So, he started with prayer, he's praying again, it's the, uh, he's starting with this really theological lofty prayer. He goes through this whole three chapters of theology, and that makes him want to pray again. And he prays kind of a similar prayer as we're going to go through and see here in chapter 3. So, uh, he's praying again just like he did before. And the way I want to encourage us to take this prayer is first to receive it. So, this prayer was for the Ephesians, but we know it's also for us. So, receive, we want to receive this prayer as Paul's praying this prayer for us as well as he's praying for the Ephesians. Uh, I want us to also be experiencing this prayer. So, this is... How we are to worship um, and receive, not only receive this prayer, but know that we can experience this prayer as a worshipful type prayer. And also, this prayer is to be given, so we can also be like Paul and to pray this for the church and for each other. So, whether we're, I want us to both receive it and experience it as worship, and also to be able to pray this kind of prayer. Uh, for others as well. And, and we'll see what this prayer is about as we go through it. But as I mentioned, this is Ephesians is a prayer sandwich. He's going to end in prayer at the end of chapter 6, getting around verse 16 or so. And when you get there, uh, eventually in a few weeks, you're going to see that's a very practical prayer. So there's all kinds of prayers uh, that we're going to see. This one's a very theological one. Uh, A one of worship, really. Now, verse 15 says this. From whom, so the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. God himself, he's the name above every name. We actually saw this or heard this when I read read Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21. It says, uh, Christ, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. Uh, And we see this in other passages as well. In Philippians chapter 2, Christ humbles himself to death on the cross and the Father exalts him and gives him the name that is above every name such that every knee will bow before Christ in worship. So uh, we're seeing... uh, Paul's putting this in perspective. I'm here, I'm bowing down and then there's the Father whose name not only is above every name, but uh, the Father, all our names in heaven and on earth are derived from the Father himself. Now verse 18, uh, oh sorry, verse 16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So here's kind of the first, one of the first results that we see. Uh, in In this version, It says that, or sometimes in your Bibles it might say so that. When you see that or so that, this is a result. This is one of the results uh, of this, of the Father, and who the Father is, and of this prayer, is that we're going to be strengthened or empowered through the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit is one that empowers and strengthens us. Uh, Later in Ephesians chapter 5, it's actually going to become a command. Here we're really just receiving it. Later it's going to become a command and it's going to say, Be filled or keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Spirit is the one that empowers us, I think really to live our daily lives. Uh, And it's something that God wants us to keep on doing. Keep on being filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 17, again, another so that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So, faith, uh, really, this is the first time you see us as humans doing anything in this whole passage, through faith. And it's not really even an action in itself, but it's a, a belief. Through faith, we live by faith. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts. So Christ dwelling in us is is a a result of our act of faith. Um, We are saved by faith. And this is a a couple interesting things about that. First, faith is that instrument through which Christ dwells in us. But also, notice then when it's talking about our faith, it doesn't say how much faith we are to have that Christ dwells in our hearts because we have a lot of faith. It doesn't say, it has no mention about the quantity. And I think that's good news for us. Because really, it's just the existence of faith. And all these things are happening. So if there's any existence of faith, no matter how small, all this is true in our lives that Christ dwells in us. His Spirit empowers us to live our lives. And theologians pretty much agree that this is not necessarily talking about our first coming to faith, but it's really uh, after we receive Jesus in our lives when we're saved, we retain His presence through faith, and we keep on being filled with the Spirit through faith. And that's something that we continually experience throughout our lives as Christians. Now, it also says, uh, if you notice right after that, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And I know a lot of you probably love grammar. This is a took grammar in junior high, maybe. Grammar, this is a perfect passive. Okay, so if I read that again, uh, being rooted and grounded in love. Is that something you do or somebody else does? We don't do it. This is something somebody else. This is what God does for us. So we are being rooted. It's the passive action by us. I mean, it's another thing that God is doing. Pretty much everything in here, God is doing for us, Uh, and this is activated by that initial faith, that initial salvation moment, Uh, that we are being rooted and being grounded it's also a perfect passive, which means this is something that keeps on happening. So you have been rooted, and you are keep on being rooted, and you keep on being grounded throughout your whole life. It's not something that happens once, but it continues. If you imagine the tree, the rooted analogy, it continues to grow and strengthen itself over time. So there's sort of a Paul's hitting two angles here. You're being rooted, if you think of the agrarian sort of example, the rural folks get that one. And then there's the grounded or founded. It makes us think of a building. So Paul's talking to the rural folk and the city folk. Or he talks to, as we saw earlier, to the Jews and to the non-Jews. Or maybe if you all might understand this way, he's talking to the engineers and the non-engineers. All y'all. He's talking to... And he has a way of resonating with all of us. So we're being rooted and established in love. Uh, Verse 18 and 19 says this. So being rooted and grounded or established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge ...that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Let's chat about this part. Paul is making no sense here if you really think about it. So, we are uh, supposed to comprehend or know something that is unknowable. And we're supposed to be filled with something that is kind of surpassing fullness. And uh, this is happening somehow in four dimensions, which I did not learn in geometry but there's a breadth and length and height and depth somehow. So this, there is this, uh, yeah, tell this to your geometry teacher. There is uh, this expansive, unknowable thing that simultaneously you can't know and you know at the same time. Good luck with that. Uh, this is, and notice it even uses the verbiage, uh, may be able to. So Paul knows that there, you're, there's no hope here. You may be filled. I think this is something that Paul is trying to say that this is something that can be actualized in part right now, but will be fully realized in heaven when we're in the presence of God. Because some of these things we're going to experience. We're going to experience the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We're going to experience the dwelling of Christ in our hearts. And to some extent, you're going to understand and know God's love. But when you're, not only as you grow as a Christian and develop, but when we're fully in God's presence, that's going to be an expanding growth, an expanding knowledge. Because right now, we just can't fully comprehend it. I think a little bit of, you know, as I uh, raise Isaac, uh, I think my son... He kind of gets how I'm trying to love him. And let's just assume I'm loving him in a good way. He kind of gets it, but he doesn't remember how many times I changed his diaper. He forgot he had diapers. He doesn't remember how many times he woke me up at night and I went and tried to comfort him. Now, I am starting to realize what my parents did as I raised Isaac. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I couldn't have been like this. There's no way. Did I cry? I forgot if I did. I probably didn't. But I start to get that, and my, I start to understand the love uh, that my parents had. But imagine God in His infinite ways, and trying to understand the love that God has for us. It's sort of like that, sort of like this parent-to-child analogy, that we're starting to get it, but... For God, it's something that surpasses knowledge. And then when we're fully in His presence, we're going to start to get it. But it's just so big, so wide. And it's amazing that Christ's love is so deep. It can reach in any direction and reach into the any bondage that we have and pull us out. It's just such a big love that God has for us. And Paul is really praying this worshipful prayer that we might start to understand this. Um, We can understand in some sense, but it's just something really big. Such that he uses this pattern, you might have noticed the pattern already, uh, to know the knowledge and to be filled with the fullness. We have this kind of uh, alliteration of sorts, which is also quite well seen in the English, um, that he's just trying to emphasize... Uh, this point of knowing and being filled with the, the fullness and the knowledge of God. Uh, notice one more thing. Uh, you might have, there's this little prepositional phrase might be able to comprehend with all the saints. So I have bad news for those of you who are trying to do this at home by yourself. It doesn't totally work. In some way, you need other Christians, other believers, and to be able to experience this. You have to experience God's love with other people. That will increase your knowledge and understanding, comprehension, and filledness of this. So God set it up that there, in order to understand the relationship that you have with God, you need relationship with other people horizontally in the church in order to grasp this. We have to be doing this with other folks and can't be something that we're just trying to attempt by ourselves. Now, uh, this is uh, maybe a little early, but I was... And those of you who are kind of the engineer techie types, I like tables and stuff like that, so I made a table. I tried to write down things that humans did or under the agency of humans. I couldn't find very many in this passage. But when I was looking for what God did, it was super easy because God is doing pretty much everything. And I'm almost stretching it a little bit on the human side. But what I saw Paul do is he worshiped or he prayed. Uh, He's bowing down before the full submission before the father. Um, And there's also this element of faith on the human side. We have faith. uh, But really, faith is not this action we're having. It's this belief and trust that God is good and Uh, God's our Savior, and He sent His Son Jesus to die for us. On God's agency, it was super easy. Pretty much every single phrase I could have put in here. I had to limit myself a little bit, because it had to fit on one page. But His name being derived, God gives, He grants things, He empowers us, Christ indwells in us, He's rooting, He's founding or establishing us in love, Uh, He loves us. Is the power that's working within us. He fills us. All these things that God is doing uh, in this passage uh, is quite wild. And just, I think the point that I got, what I got from this is that I'm really receiving and trying to understand, put in perspective who God is and who I am and how much He's doing for me. Because God is doing these things for me, as a result of it, my life is reframed and I start to live and think differently about things. Now this whole section, this whole three chapters, ends with what's called a doxology. A doxology is really um, a thing where we give glory to God or glory is given to God or value and worth is sort of in whatever way you could kind of imagine it, being added or, or put on God by us. Not that he needs it, but uh, Paul is doing this. And sometimes if you've heard of, you know, benedictions at the end of church services, uh, a pastor sometimes might read this, uh, what we're going to look at right now. Verse 20 uh, and 21 say this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ jesus to all generations forever and ever amen it's pretty amazing I, I paul doesn't trying to think what else can you say about god i guess he does everything far more abundantly that's an interesting kind of phrase to translate like it's an exceedingly abundantly or incredibly abundantly it's just so much more uh, here that we can ask and, uh, in some versions or imagine. It's just God is so wild. We can't perceive. And if you ever get a chance to talk to somebody who's been in the faith for decades and decades and you ask, wow, could you imagine the place that God has brought you to now or the life that you lived and all the things that God has brought you through. They're like, no, I couldn't imagine this. All these things that God has done in my life. Uh, We're going to experience part of that here on earth where through the decades and through the years that we are believers, God's going to do so many things that we just can't even perceive. But he's going to be answering prayers that we don't even know what to ask for, but he's going beyond even what we can ask. And how he's doing that is the power that's inside of us already. And the power that is among us as a church already. And this is quite crazy because when I was reading verse 21, it's kind of wild to me. It says, to him be the glory. Now I get the second part, in Christ. That's cool. God can have glory in Christ. Christ is a reasonable, quite noteworthy uh, God and Lord. I got that. But somehow, he's also glorified in the church. That was a little scary for me to read because that means with us all together, strangely, Christ is uh, glorified in the church, which for me is a call for us, a call for the church to have such characteristics, such character that we reflect God's glory. So it's a call for us that on earth we need to reflect God's glory as a church and to live in such a way That when we see each other and when people see us from the outside, we're the glory of God, that we glorify God with how we exist, not as individuals, but as a group. If somebody comes up to you, and occasionally this has happened to me, uh, as non-Christian will come up and say, you know, I don't believe, but I see how God is working in your life. That's something, but it's really not what I'm going for. I, I would be more excited by God look uh, people looking at our church and saying, oh, because of your church, I can see how God is working. That is really what we're going for, because as a whole, we as a church are going to glorify God. Now, you know, I like tables, as you already heard that, so I made another table, but this one's too big to really go through. If you want to take a picture of it, you can, but uh, just, I'm trying to make the point that, you know, all that Paul is teaching us here, you've already heard in all the other sermons. Because this is just a repeat of everything that already happened and was already discussed elsewhere in Ephesians. This was not even hard for me to find. Every verse that we just went through, whether it's having prayer on your knees, uh, God being above every name, Uh, the riches of God's grace, all these things being filled with the Spirit, the glory of the church, the working of God's power, etc. All these sort of things are already in Ephesians. And guess what? Paul didn't come up with this on his own. It's all the Old Testament. I picked some representative verses, but really all this theology is not anything new that Paul is giving. This is something he's reiterating that we have known before. uh, That Paul is giving us the theological foundation kind of summarizing it in three chapters so that can move us to action. So that as we get to chapters 4, 5, and 6, we're going to see because of our theology, now how art we to live? Um, I was kind of as I was uh, preparing for this, one of the things that Peggy and I do is uh, how we divide. Chores sort of in our house is that we like, we do the things um, that are the least horrible for us as chores. So instead, like between cooking and dishes, I definitely don't want to cook, and Peggy definitely doesn't want me to cook, so I do the dishes. And dishes are not in any way exciting for me. And so I was thinking, oh, you know, quite a while ago why don't I play worship music you know, from my phone and I'll do the dishes and it's slightly less horrible. That's cool. But then I realized on my phone, I only have like two worship songs. I said, Peggy, we need to somehow find a way to get worship music on my phone. And she said, you can just like download it. It's easy. You just search on your phone. I was like, oh, this is genius. We can get free music. And then she told me we pay for it and I didn't even know that. But so I downloaded all this music And uh, what that did is it made what was a terrible dishwashing experience that I do daily, uh, it reframed that experience. Um, And it kind of gets me back to what I think is sort of the solution that Paul is giving us is that worship reframes our life no matter what we're going through, I'm still washing the dishes. You're still going through life. The same crazy things that you're experiencing in school, at work, wherever, are the same. That's not changing. But worship and prayer can reframe what is already existing in your life. Uh, It's a, a, a solution in the reframing sort of sense. I think if, if those of you who have been Christians for a while, think about when you've had spiritual high points in your life. And many times what I've noticed for my own life, it's been centered around worship sort of experiences. When I've been in a worshipful place or a place focused on God, focused on thinking about who He is with respect to who I am, it completely reforms and reframes my experience. Uh, Now I know that there's always some of us who feel like, you know, I'm a Christian, but in this weird sense, I haven't experienced God before, in the sense that I hear other people talking about. And I want to sort of encourage us all to enter into worship, and worship being a way to enter into God's presence. I even... uh, one time after a fellowship meeting one time, I, met, uh, I was talking to some students and another person came up and they said, I, I've been talking to somebody I just met and they are freaking me out. Can you go talk to them? Because they were really antagonistic about the faith. So I went to talk to him and he was just talking. and I realized all the things that he were saying, I, I wasn't able to logic things through with him. So I just had this weird thought in my mind. His name is Alex. I said, Alex, you know, I know you're not into God or anything, but what would you think about praying to him just for fun? I just, like, shot in the dark, tried it, and he said, yeah, I can pray. This was like his, yeah, I'll pray. Okay. Because he was really mad at God. I was like, can you tell God what you're mad about? It's like, yeah. That almost made him happy. Like, okay. So I just kind of stood there, and Alex prayed for a really long time. He had a long list of things that he was mad at God about, so I just let him do it. He went on and on, and I said, "Uh, Alex, can uh, you ask God um, to, like, give you a different perspective on these things? He said, okay, I will do that. So he did. I wasn't doing any praying. I was just standing there, and he did all the praying as, like, a non-believer. And then, so he did that. And I said, so he's kind of softening a little bit. And I said, Alex, would you ask for forgiveness from God? Because you're so angry, that doesn't sound good. And so by that time, he was ready for that. So he said, yeah, I'll ask for forgiveness from God. So he asked for forgiveness from God. And then, uh, then so and after that, I, I gave him a little help. And I gave him some truths from scripture. Like, here's a couple of truths from scripture can you ask God to give you that sort of perspective, like receive that truth? He's like, yeah, I'll do that. So he went through and received this truth. So this was all about an hour, mostly of me standing and Alex talking to this God who he prior to didn't believe in. And he came to the, at the end of the conversation, totally believing in God, and was through entering in for him against his will, sort of a, a prayer, sort of worshipful experience with God and kind of declaring who he was, It fully reframed his thought. He was still Alex, but he believed. He started to believe who God was. Uh, And it was such a powerful experience for him that the next year, one of his friends... This is a weird experience. One of his friends kind of acted the same way. And so he thought, okay, I'm going to do the same thing Brian did with my friend. I'm going to make my friend pray. And so he had a similar experience where he led his friend in prayer in the exact same way the following year. And I think it's just that. You know, I didn't really add anything to the experience except sort of being a spiritual guide. And so I sort of want to do the same thing for us today. Uh, I forewarned you, I want to make you pray. Uh, and uh, think about it like this. I, I know some of you might be thinking, I don't want to pray. Think about it when you go to the doctor, let's say you break your arm, Okay the doctor's going to put a cast on it and you're restricted in your movement by that cast for a period of time, temporarily. But when your bones heal, you can be freed of that cast and the cast is removed. I think we're kind of doing that same sort of similar sort of thing through what we call spiritual disciplines. Is that I'm going to take, today give you the discipline of worship. We'll do a little exercise together. I'm putting that cast on you for a temporary time, so we can kind of practice the same thing together. Um, but as you pray more and more, and many of you are probably very experienced in praying and worshiping, um, you can be more and more freed to pray and experience God in a sort of a broader way, though today we're going to do just a particular exercise. Um, I think worship, what I like about worship is it's, I think there's, almost nothing faster to move you into the presence of God. Um, worship is really as I mentioned before, you're adding value or glory or praise or worship you know, uh, worth to God. And I think if you were to ask me like why, why worship in the first place? Well really uh, life is worship. so you can live out worship but you can also speak, Worship, So you can praise God verbally, and you can also live a life of worship. Um, we're going to focus on the speaking out of worship uh, this morning, uh, following Paul's example. I think God, I believe God himself, seeks worshipers and seeks worship. He asks us and commands us to worship him. But on a personal sense, worship itself can be very deeply satisfying, because we're entering into God's presence and we realize really who God is and who we are. Uh, when we get to heaven, we're going to worship. That's That'll be on the daily routine. Um, it's, it is something that's cool about it. It just draws us towards God. So I want to uh, tell us a, a little bit what, when you're worshiping, maybe articulate if you've already experienced this before, what are the sort of things that you experience while worshiping? Um... When you worship, there's this sense where, first of all, you're focusing on God. Like, who is God um, praising Him for things, declaring who He is? And then there's a sense, at a certain time in worship, I didn't know how else to word this, but you make contact with God. God, like, shows up in a very present way, and somehow, during that worship session, Uh, in a way that's hard to describe. But you know it's God there. You know, oh, this is not just me. But God is showing up in a powerful way. You make that contact. Sometimes when you make contact with God, you so much realize who you are that you start wanting to confess. Um, This happened to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw God. Uh, He basically said, like, uh, I'm a, uh, a person of unclean lips and my people are unclean. He started confessing just naturally because he was in God's presence. Sometimes that happens when we enter into God's presence and we really start experiencing Him. Uh, Also, I've noticed when when people enter to worship and we start experiencing God, uh, sometimes we also hear things from God. God tells us to do something. Uh, to live differently or maybe even gives us something specific or gives us a promise or things like that, we hear from God. There's, a, there's good news and bad news about hearing from God. The good news is we hear from God. The bad news is uh, he wants us to do that thing. So he doesn't just tell us something just for fun. If he tells you something, he wants you to do that. Uh, and then if we don't, he's just going to wait And if you're having trouble hearing from God, it might be because He's been telling you to do something that we haven't responded to yet. So be aware. Sometimes when you worship, you will hear from God and God will ask you to do something. Now we're going to practice the discipline of worship through prayer, as I mentioned. Uh, And how do you do that if you're wondering how? uh, This is just praising God. I praise you for something, Lord, or I thank you. I made a little list of all the things that uh, Paul did in these verses that we read. Uh, For example, if I'm worshiping or praying, uh, I might say, God, thank you for your glorious riches. Or God, I declare uh, that you dwell in our hearts. I praise you for that. I thank you for how much you do that. These are all from the passage we just read. I thank you that we as a church are being rooted in you. That we are being established and grounded in you. Things like that. It's a declarative or praising or a thinking. What I want us not to do while we worship or prayer is to not ask for things. This is kind of the hardest thing. It's not bad to ask or petition God for things, but that's separate from worshiping him for something. Does that make sense? So, you can ask the, like for your family members who's hurting or things like that. That's something separate we're not going to do right now. But I, I want to focus on declaring who God is and focus on His character and His actions. Okay? So, try when you're worshiping to not ask, when you're praying not to ask for things per se, like specific things, but to pray uh, and declare and praise. So... Uh, What we're going to do is I'm going to have you, I'd like you to pray together if at all possible and praying out loud uh, if at all possible. Uh, There's going to be a a little background uh, instrumental uh, piano while we pray and I'm going to give you several minutes just to pray with each other. If you don't know what to pray, that's why I made a list. So you can just go through the list. If you want to be super creative, you can also pray things that are not here. I just wanted to focus on things that were in the passage we just read. Okay? You can pray and worship God for things that are not here. Let's say you finish the list and you don't know what to do. You go back to the start of the list. It's okay to pray things twice. Okay? Some of you might finish it twice. That's okay. You can pray it three times. Keep on praying and worshiping. Uh, if we were had like a really extended period of time, I'd love to do this for 30 minutes. Um, and if you're a small group leader, or kind of you lead a group of other leaders, or you know half buddy other Christians you get together, this is a great exercise to do where you just sit down for 30 minutes and just worship together, worship through prayer and just declare who God is. And I think you'll really start going through those phases of you're focusing on God. And somehow God really just shows up, and then you might even hear from God. Okay, does everybody know what I'm asking you to do? Does that make sense? We're going to pray as much as possible. If you could pray out loud, you you could pray with a person next to you, or you can make a new friend if you would like to. Um, But we're going to pray for a few minutes. We're going to have a little uh, piano in the background. And I'll pray here, and after that I'm going to invite the worship team up. There's going to be an offering, but we'll continue continue in worship through music after this. So think of this as a whole worshipful experience as we end our time today. Um, So please, find someone, and let's pray together.